Um, so apologies, people, because I do need my glasses to read, but then you're all a bit blurry, so you can pull whatever face you like. I can't see. Um, welcome. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Jo, part of the team here at uh, Chelmsford Vineyard, and it is the second Sunday in Advent. Um, I feel a little bit under pressure because the youth service last week was so amazing. Now I've got to follow it. So sorry there's no games, um, but there is a bit of audience participation at the end. So that's exciting, maybe. So last week when the youth were leading us, they, are, they started with a video, didn't they, about their worst Christmas presents ever. And this week we're starting the reverse. So have a little think. Um, I want you to think about what is the best gift you've ever received. I mean, when somebody asks me this, I know straight away and I'm going to share it with you in a minute, but what was your best gift you'd ever received? What made it good? Did you have to wait for it? Or was it a surprise? Did you know what it was? Oh, I asked some friends recently. I went away um, every year, me and some uh, three girls go away for a weekend of fun and therapy, really. It's, it's like the best time ever. And I asked them, like, what's the best gift you've ever had? And there was such a range. Um, one of the girls said it was like a surprise birthday trip to Switzerland. Oh, my goodness. I need that present in my life. Um, one of the other ones, she got given an Apple Watch. It wasn't what she wanted, but actually it's really handy and she loves it and it beeps when she meets her step target and it's very exciting for her. The other one, she, um, she said, this was really interesting actually. For those of you who are older you know, for those of you who don't, there's a picture going to come up. It was VHS videotapes. Oh yes, these are a thing. Now if you're young... This is like pre-CDs, you know, this was, had a film on that you watched and it was in, put in this enormous machine. Um, but this was <laughs> a random best gift ever. But she said she got it for Christmas one year and it felt like she was an adult. Like she'd, she'd like progressed, she'd moved on in the world and she got some videotapes. Don't even ask. So they're all very different gifts, obviously. And kind of special to each person in different ways. Now, my best present ever was, drum roll, my Cabbage Patch Kid. Oh, my goodness. This isn't him, and I wanted to bring him, but he's in my mum's loft because I obviously don't love him quite as much as I used to anymore. But this is, like, the closest one, and I spent a lot of time on Google looking for a similarity. Um, you can't get exact because Cabbage Patch Kids are unique. There's not two the same people. So this, my Cabbage Patch Kid, he was called Cody Colin. He was the dream gift. Um, what made him special? I hear you ask. I mean, you only have to look at him to, to see. But back in the day, when I was probably nine or ten, Cabbage Patch Kids were the thing to have. Everybody wanted one they were a nine-year-old girl. Um, they were quite expensive for what they were. They, yeah, I was told quite firmly, you're not getting one of those because that is a waste of money. Um, but look at his little knees. Oh, like, they're just so <laughs> cute. So I, I wanted him. I really wanted him. They came with, like, their own adoption certificate. And my friend, they were rich. She had one from Hong Kong that had a passport. 
I kid you not. Um, they had, you can't see, and I didn't, I didn't search for a picture because I thought it was a bit weird, but they had like this cute little sewn bum that was signed and a disposable nappy. I mean, Betty, I know you're feeling the, the joy for this. He was all I wanted. And so in the lead up to Christmas, I've been told, don't get your hopes up. It's not happening. They were really, actually, really hard to get hold of because everybody wanted one. You know, one of those Christmas presents where there might be a film about hunting through the shops. Um, but I, like, lived in hope. I was, like, filled with expectation, you know. Am I going to get the gift that I, is going to make my life? I mean, that's how it felt, okay? And when I woke up on Christmas Day morning and the shaped box was at the end of my bed, wrapped up, I knew that I had made it. I had got Cody Colin. Um, I actually changed his name to a bit more British. You had to send the adoption certificate off and get a new one. Um, so he, yeah, I know, he, Colin Matthew Cody. Yes, that. <laughs> I'm disclosing this morning, aren't I? You look at me in a weird way. Um, uh, anyway, I loved, I love presents. I love gifts. Um, so what, what makes a gift kind of worth having? What makes a gift so exciting? So it might be something you've always wanted, like me and Colin. It might be something that you didn't know you wanted until someone got it for you. And then it's like amazing. It, well, like my friend with her Apple Watch, you know, it does all these things that she never even knew she needed in her life. It might be something you have to wait a long time for. I know when you're young, Christmas feels like it takes forever to come round, doesn't it? It might be something that makes your life easier or better. Um, this, is, this is not advice. Don't go buying someone a hoover for Christmas because it might make their life easier. That's a really bad present. Unless you buy it for yourself. A gift might be something you, you feel like you don't deserve. And it might be something that's especially made just for you. So a really good present, another one that my friend mentioned, was a homemade bookmark from her son. It wasn't expensive, it wasn't anything special, but to her, he'd thought of her. It was unique, it was made just for her. There's so many things that make a good gift, aren't there? Now I'm hoping... It's no surprise to you that Christmas is round the corner. And because there's lots of Christmas jumpers in, I can see that people know this. I'm not that organised this year, and I do like to be organised. I did a little bit of Christmas shopping yesterday, but not enough. But Christmas is the time of giving and receiving gifts, isn't it? When we remember the greatest gift of all, when God gifted us his son to rescue us, to redeem the world, but to get to Christmas, we have to wait. Three weeks today, as Libby said. Which I think to Nat this morning felt like a really long time when I said that. And to me, it felt like there's no time at all. But this period of Advent is a time of waiting. So the word Advent comes from the Latin term Adventus, meaning arrival or coming. Particularly the coming of something having great importance. And during Advent, we join with the church globally to prepare ourselves for Christmas. So for those of you that know me, you know that I have strong Anglican roots. 
For those of you who don't know me, I have strong Anglican roots. Uh, my dad is a vicar. My sister is a vicar. Um, we're not sure which of the grandchildren is going to take the mantle. None of them are that keen at the moment, but we're working on it. Um, and when I, was, when I was around in the church, um, we were talking about this the other day in small group or somewhere else, I think, leaders group, about liturgy. And I, I didn't enjoy the liturgy, which is, um, for those of you who don't know, it's like the, the formula for the service, so the words that we say, so it's got a structure. So in Vineyard, we have a kind of very loose liturgy. It feels a lot more relaxed, but in the Church of England, it's a lot more formal. So there are uh, bits that the leader says, responses that the people say. And when I was younger, I didn't enjoy it that much. But as I get older, and I think as I do that kind of liturgy thing less, I, I love it more, and I love the richness of it, and I love that globally the church comes together and, and we're saying the same things, um, and there's a pattern and there's a, a rhythm to the, the life of the church. And the season of Advent has been set aside um, for a time of preparation since the 6th century. And um, across the globe, loads of churches use candles to reflect during this time. And each Sunday in Advent, a candle is lit. Now, if you were in church when you were young and you went to um, a, an Anglican church, you, it, they quite often get like a little child to light the candle, which to me now feels really dangerous and they've got one of these kind of long wick things and it's all wobbly but this is generally what it will look like and each of the candles stands for a different thing so week one was the candle of hope um, the candle of the patriarchs and that's kind of looking at the fathers of our faith week two where we are this week is the candle of peace the prophets and sometimes called the Bethlehem candle week three is the candle of love where we remember John the Baptist. Week four, which is the pink candle, it's very gender stereotyped, is the candle of joy, Mary, the mother of Jesus. And the one in the center, the white candle, is what we light on Christmas Day. So that's um, Jesus. And so this, we're at the second Sunday in Advent. So we're just going to remember the prophets this morning. Um, and if you will... Um, humor me, I thought we would join with the global church um, in the prayer for today. So this prayer is part of um, the Anglican church and it will be said across the world today by different um, churches as they meet. So I just thought we'd share it together. God our Father, you spoke to the prophets of old of a saviour who would bring peace you helped them to spread the joyful message of his coming kingdom. Help us as we prepare to celebrate his birth, to share with those around us the good news of your power and love. We ask this through Jesus Christ, the light who is coming into the world. Amen. Okay, so what is a prophet? A prophet receives messages from God mainly concerning events that will take place in the future and conveys them to a certain group of people or a singular person whom God intends to hear the delivered message. The prophets spoke throughout the Old Testament in the Bible to the Jewish people 
And a lot of these prophecies were around the coming Messiah, um, telling the Jews what to look out for, for the, the Savior who was going to come and rescue them. And the Jewish people believed that they were going to be rescued and delivered from their enemies. And we believe as Christians that Jesus fulfilled these prophecies and is our Messiah. I don't know how many prophecies there are in the um, Bible about Jesus. There are a few people here that studied theology. If you know who they are, you could ask them. They're clever. They probably have the answer. Do they have the answer? No, they don't have the answer. They could Google it. Um, so the, the Bible verse for today for Advent um, for the prophets is from the book of Micah. And it was about where Jesus was going to be born. And this is why sometimes it's called the Bethlehem candle. So it's Micah chapter 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old. From ancient times. We are at a massive advantage when we read the prophecies about Jesus, aren't we? Because we've got the New Testament. And when I read that, I go, oh, it's spot on. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He's from the line of Judah. He's going to rule. That's amazing. Great. But the Jewish people didn't have this. And so I, I was imagining what it would be like if you didn't, if you didn't have the New Testament. Like, how, what, if you read that, what would you be thinking? And all I could liken it to, which is a really, really tenuous link, people, is one of these escape rooms. You know, like, they really bend your mind, don't they? And it's almost like they, they were all these prophecies and... They're trying to piece them together and work out what, what their Messiah is going to look like. How is he going to come? How is he going to rule? And, and they're still stuck in the escape room because they don't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And so they still don't see them fulfilled. But us as Christians, we believe that um, Jesus fulfilled these prophecies. You think now how long you had to wait for that like, like one of your gifts. How long I had to wait for Cody Collin. <laughs> this nation of people are still waiting. They have been waiting thousands of years. That is some wait. And I often think as well, what, what, would, would they be expecting, you know, this, a baby born in a stable? You know, when we think about great presents, I mean, obviously having a baby is amazing, but it's not, a, it's not the thing that comes to mind, is it? Prophecy is so cryptic. And it's only when we get to look back, we can see with its fulfillment, so we have that advantage with the, with the New Testament. We can see the, the prophecies fulfilled. And probably personally for you, you've had over the years maybe people 
uh, say things over you and you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. That makes no sense. But a few years down the line, things make more sense. Uh, at Vineyard, we really place high value on God speaking to us through the gift of prophecy. It's one of the spiritual gifts and you'll hear it taught about here time and time again. And that is why at the end of each service, we leave space for the Holy Spirit. We leave space for God to come and speak to us individually and for those around us. And just like the Jewish people trying to make sense of all the prophecies relating to their expected Messiah, we wrestle with what God is trying to say to us and how it will all pan out and what it means and what does it look like. And I'm sure that the Old Testament prophets were just as bemused and mind-blown when they were saying to these people, this is what I think God is saying. But their responsibility, like ours, is not to understand the mind of God, but to be obedient and share what God has said with whoever that is intended for. So as we journey through Advent, as we wait for Christmas... And we remember the hope and joy that came to earth. We can remember the prophets, be thankful for them and be encouraged by them to bravely step out to those around us to share what God might be saying. So I've got a few um, little steps that might be helpful to you as you do this over the next coming weeks. And then, like I said, there is audience participation. So this is not a long talk because we're going to allow time for God to speak to us this morning. So number one, prioritize taking time to reflect. As the busyness increases, try and find five minutes a day to reflect on all that God has done. We are privileged to be able to look back at the Old Testament prophecies We're blessed by the prophets and all that they shared about the birth of Jesus. We have the knowledge that he came and we can have relationship with him. Take time to remember all he has done in your life. The words that have been shared with you, whether or not they've been fulfilled. Prioritize time to hear from God. It can be hard, can't it, to find quiet time in our day. Uh, My quiet time's normally when I'm walking the dog, as long as I don't meet anybody who wants to speak to me. Not that I like to avoid people, but... um, But God doesn't only speak to us in our silence. God can speak to us at any time during the day. Home, work, school, shopping. We just need to be listening. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, um, Lydia was sharing about the time in the park, she was in the park and she felt God prompt her to invite somebody to the parenting group, which worked perfectly because they said yes and it was great. Um, Yeah, we don't need to be sat still. We need to be quiet enough in our own kind of soul to be able to hear him. That doesn't necessarily mean physically still. And we just need to be open and listening So be expectant. The lead up to Christmas is a perfect time to be able to speak to friends, families, strangers about God and the greatest gift of all time. Ask God to bring people to you, to give you the opportunity to share with them, that they ask questions, that they're curious. 
we were talking in um, our leadership meeting in the week about going out shopping and everyone's busying around and there was a conversation about kind of do you pop your AirPods in to just have some music and get it done quickly or do you leave your AirPods out, you know, to allow yourself to be interrupted. Um, <laughs> I was out for a run the other morning, actually, this was God interrupting me because I was trying to run a bit quicker because I was late going out for my run. But there was an, a little old lady who I could see over the road who was wrestling with a wheelie bin trying to get it down her path. And I did terrify her when I ran across the road and said, oh, would you like a hand? Um, but actually, you know, just, just allowing God to interrupt you. My, my time on my app for my run was not as good. I'd like to think that it was probably my best ever because I was hurrying. But, you know, I am a little bit neurotic about the time on my run. So to be interruptible is really important. Be obedient and brave. If you feel like God has a word for you to share with somebody, share it. You'll hear it said time and again in church, as long as it's not putting somebody down, it's not offensive, it's not really kind of ultra-instructive, and it doesn't go against what the Bible says, it's going to encourage somebody. It doesn't matter if it's God or not. Generally, it probably is, and it's probably you trying to work out, is this God, is this not God, that gets in God's way. So if you have a word, share it. Sometimes the most random, nonsensical words to you are the most powerful to other people. Lastly, practice makes perfect. Maybe not perfect. Practice makes us a bit better. Um, so church or your small group is the safest place to try this out. The more you do it, the more natural it feels. And the more you can go about your day-to-day -day, um, and maybe not feel so weird about doing it, if it comes naturally, it's a little bit easier. If, if you're sharing words with people who maybe don't know Jesus or aren't around church, it might be a bit weird to say to them, God has spoken to me and I believe he's saying this. That would be weird. Don't be weird. I, that should be on my list. <laughs> Um, you know, you could just say, I was thinking about you today, and I really had a sense that that might go down a little bit better. So we're going to pray in a minute, um, but I just wanted to share a word with you guys that I felt that God had for us this morning. Um, so some of you who know me know that I work with people who have complex needs, so maybe uh, mental health difficulties, substance misuse, alcohol misuse. And within our services, there's um, a term that is like hot topic, and it's lived experience. And so in all of our groups, in all of our recruitment, um, in all of our kind of advertising, there's this, there's an acknowledgement that we need lived experience. So we need people making our decisions, molding our services, developing us who have been through it. And you probably all heard of kind of AA and Cocaine Anonymous and that kind of stuff where people, they do it together, they, they journey together through their recovery. And when they journey together in community with other people with lived experience, their recovery is more likely to succeed. You know, doing something in isolation 
is not easy and you are less likely to succeed. And I just really felt when I was praying that I just kept getting these words from God, like lived experience. And I just felt that God wanted to remind us that if we're going to do it, we need to have lived experience of it. There's no point in just telling someone what the Bible says. There's no point in talking about what life could be like. We need to be doing it together, lived experienced, day in, day out. So we are going to do it together this morning, people. Um, So as I said, there's audience participation. Um, So now is the time to be brave and obedient. Um, So what we're going to do, we're just going to do what we always do. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. But what I really want to encourage you guys this morning is come come and stand with me. Come and ask God to speak to you for your friends in this church. Not everybody has to come, obviously, because otherwise we'd just be talking to the chairs. But I'd love a few of you to come and just ask God to speak to you. It's, it, it might be scary. And I did say to Libby, is this a crazy idea? She was like, yes, I love it. Um, so we're going to pray in a minute. And I'm hoping that some of you... I have to say that there are a couple of you here who, when I was praying about this, your name was in my head, so... I might pick on you if you don't move. Um, So would you all like to stand? And if you are up for asking God to speak to you this morning, to bless somebody in this uh, community of people, please come and join me. Be brave. Lydia moved quickly. Betty's good.